0: It's my pleasure to be here today. Like everything you're wearing, I was made in China. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see many Chinese people here tonight. I see many Chinese people here tonight. <laughs> Well, we have a a good crowd here today, so it's nice to have you here. It's my pleasure to be here in in the frozen tundra. It's 80 degrees in Fort Myers today. I'll be back there by 935 tonight, God willing. But I'm happy to be here with you because I want to tell you something about God. In 1966... I had been the principal of a school in Lakeland, Florida, for three years. That was my first job out of university. I was the youngest principal in the state of Florida. I was the most inexperienced principal in the state of Florida. (laughs) And while I was there, a doctor in the town of Lakeland took an interest in me, and he changed my life. He told me that it was my responsibility to bring people to the feet of Jesus. And if I did that, they would come to know Jesus. Their life would be transformed. I believed him. I learned how to do that. The first time I led a person to Christ, my parents were a missionary. I'd gone to a Christian college. I'd been a Christian leader here and there and spoken everywhere, but I had never led a person to Christ. After I learned from Dr. Walter Sly how to do that, we went out to do it. We stopped in the grocery store. We all have wives. Most of us do. And the wives say, you need to bring something home, you need to bring some eggs home. So he went to buy the eggs while I stood at the checkout. And I saw a young boy coming through the checkout. And I thought, here's my chance to try what I've just learned. I stopped the boy. I said, how are you today? He said, you're the school principal. What have I done wrong? (laughs) I said, you haven't done anything wrong. You have five minutes to listen to me? In the front of the Publix grocery store in Lakeland, Florida, that young boy gave his life to Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ changed my life. I immediately realized it was time to go to where I felt at home with the people who I love, the people who I had lived with till I was 18 years old. It was time for me to go back to Hong Kong. So I applied to the Christian Science Missionary Appliance. No, Christian Missionary Alliance. I always get that wrong. I applied to the Christian Missionary Alliance. And they accepted me of all things and I went to Hong Kong and when I got there I became what they call a junior missionary junior missionaries are those who have just arrived they are junior missionaries for two years they're to be seen and not heard they're to learn they're to learn the language well I was born there I could already speak Guangdonghua. I already knew how to get around I knew half of the city I'd been on Hong Kong's Olympic field hockey team, played against India, who beat us. (laughs) Boy, did they beat us. (laughs) Anyway, I I knew Hong Kong, and I was a junior missionary, and I kept my mouth shut for two years. And then I started a youth camp with my wife called Yun in Hong Kong. Sundoyun, to this point, has had 1.4 million different people in it. And over 100,000 of them have come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. So I was pretty excited about that, but while I was in seminary, I learned something very important. Our goal, as missionaries, was to start churches. Bring people to Christ, bring them to the church build them up in the faith, and send them out the other side of the church to go win people to Christ. That's what missionaries are supposed to do. That's what you're supposed to do. So, in my second term, I, I realized we had only planted four churches in Hong Kong. And I thought, man, we there's millions of people here. We need to plant some churches. So I had to see the chairman. Every field of the Christian Missionary Alliance is a chairman. So I went to see him. And I said, we're not planning many churches. We should be planting churches. I know I'm a young missionary. I don't know anything, but I know that. And he said, well, you don't understand Hong Kong. And I'm thinking, this guy's from Erie, Pennsylvania, and he's telling me I don't understand Hong Kong. <laughs> So I said, I understand Hong Kong. He said, well, there's one thing you don't understand, how difficult it is to find a place to start a church. In Africa, it's easy to plant churches. You just go out and say, we'll plant one here. <laughs> in Cambodia, we'll plant one here. I've done that, so I know that's possible. But he said, in Hong Kong, it's the highest real estate values in the world. I was just in Hong Kong. I'll be back there this coming Friday. Having some good gai si Leoming min wong, the best food in the world. Anyway, Hong Kong has the highest real estate values in the world. Last time I was there, a guy bought an apartment for $9,998 a square foot. There are 8,400 people per acre in the, in the high-rise areas where people live in Hong Kong. It's impossible for us to plant a church. So I said, it would be all right if I tried. If I just went out and looked around to see if we could find a place. So he said, okay, you can do that. But don't sign anything. Don't agree to anything. Don't make any decisions. Come back and talk to me. So I said, okay. So at that time, Hong Kong was growing a middle class. And there's a part of Hong Kong that was just being built at that time, called Mei Fu San Chun. Mei Fu means tiger. Sun Chun means new village. So they were building this place for 10,000 middle class people. They had their own schools, their own banks, their own restaurants, their own stores. It was to be something to behold. Other countries were sending people to come to see how Mei Fu Sun Chun was being built for the middle class people of Hong Kong. I thought that's the perfect place to start. So I drove my car there and as I drove around, I saw one building, stage four. They were still building it. I thought, perfect. So I got out of the car and I walked back there and who was standing outside the, the, the entrance to the place, but a man with a hard hat on and another hard hat under his arm. And he saw me coming and he shook my hand. He said, are you the inspector? I said, yes, I am. He gave me the hat, put the hat on, and he and I inspected the building. My reason for inspecting the building was different than his. I was looking to see where we could plant a church. And he said, we have one kindergarten in the building. I said, well, take me to see that. He took me. It was perfect had a big center area where we could have the people sitting, Sunday school rooms on the side. I said, that's all the inspecting I have to do. Here's the hat. The other inspector will be here shortly. (laughs) And I left, went back to see the chairman. I found the perfect place. We can play in a church in the kindergarten. Christian Missionary Alliance has schools in Hong Kong. Almost 20,000 students in the school system were very well known as educators in Hong Kong. So I said, can I go see the manager of that place? They said, yes, you can. But don't sign anything. Don't agree to anything. Don't make any decisions. Don't do anything. Come back and see me. Yes, sir. I went to see the manager of Mei Fu Chun. Parked my car. I was in my Hong Kong suit which is okay unless you bend over. And I went to the office of the manager. I had never seen a more beautiful office in my life. Carpeting on the floor. In those days, no carpets in Hong Kong. I walked in. The secretary was there. I said, I'd like to see the manager. She said, oh, you don't want to see him. I said, well, why not? Well, he's just been sent here from Columbus, Ohio. He's a fanguilo, a foreign devil. <laughs> he has come here because there's so much corruption in Mei Sunchun that Mobile Oil, who owns Mei Sunchun, has sent this man over here to clean it up. He's tough. I said, well, let me meet him. So... Next thing I know, I'm walking into the office of Mr. Charles Zender of Mobile Oil. I was nervous. He was in his, in his beautiful Brooks Brothers suit and power tie, and he was all standing there behind his rosewood desk and carpeted floor. And I walked in and said, Hi. I'm a, I'm, I'm a school. I'm a school operator. He said, "Oh, you are? Have a seat." So I sat down, and he said, uh, "What can I do for you?" I said, "Well, I know that there's a kindergarten in stage four, and I'd like to run a kindergarten there. We run a lot of schools. I, I'm sure if you've just been here a little while, you haven't heard about us, but we're quite well known, uh, and we'd like to run." a kindergarten, and on Sunday morning, I have a church service. He said, what? I said, that's not important. The important thing is we run the kindergarten. But on Sundays, when there's no kindergarten, we'd like to have a church. He said, you know, Mr. Bechtel, my wife and I are followers of Jesus Christ. We do not like Hong Kong. We did not want to come to Hong Kong. We prayed and asked God not to have us come here. But then God put on our mind, Mei Fu Sun Chun, I heard, did not have a church. So we came to Hong Kong to make sure there's a church in Mei Fu Sun Chun. And you come into my office and say you want to start a kindergarten... (laughs) <laughs> Do you want to start a church or not? I said, well, that's why I came. Of course, we want to start a church. He said, all right. I have 30 applications for that kindergarten. They've made their down payment. I've been saving it for you. But there's something you ought to know. I said, well, what's that? He said, it's going to cost you 33000 something to fix the place up and get it ready for a church and a kindergarten. In the Christian Missionary Alliance at that time, we had never heard a number as high as $33,000. We didn't know that there was that much money in the world. And now he's telling me, in order to start this church that we want to start and start this kindergarten, we have to have $33,000. Wow! So he saw me sitting there turning green because I didn't know what to say to him. He says, well, what do you say? I said, well, here's the deal. Christian Missionary Alliance has $470 in, in the bank to start churches for two years. And you, you named a number that is, we, we weren't aware of that number before. That's so much money, we, don't, we can't do it. Mr. Zender got up out of his desk, walked around the desk, came over to where I was sitting, and looked me in the eye and said, Are you a missionary? I said, Yes. Are you a servant of God? Yes. How big is your God? Whoa. That's a businessman, a layman like you, talking to me. A fearless missionary. That really was like, hit me on the head with a sledgehammer. How big is my God? I gave him a good answer, I think. I said, my God is enormous. But I have a chairman. (laughs) I'm not sure how big his God is. But I'm going to go find out. So I went to the chairman. Chairman says, no, do you know how much money we have in the bank? $470 for two years of church planting. And you need $33,000? You've lost your mind. So I said, well, would you please call together the executive committee and ask them to make the decision? He did that. Got the executive committee together. Five men who know everything on the executive committee. As soon as I heard the word committee, I knew we were in trouble. But anyway, we, we, we went ahead, they had their meeting. Three to two, can't do it. We don't have the money. It's irresponsible. We don't have 33000 We have $470. We can't do it. Man, I thought, how can I go back and tell Mr. Zender? He'll how big my God is and take my head off over how big my God is. About that time, in those days, missionaries used to go on furlough and come back. And about that time, three of the people on the executive committee, by God's grace and mercy, were going home on furlough. And the three guys who came back, I was at the airport to meet them. And I told them, we have the greatest opportunity we've ever had in Hong Kong to start planting churches. They voted five to nothing to start that church after I told them the story about how big is your God. So I went to Mr. Zender. I signed all the papers. I was so happy that we're going to get on the road now and plant churches. I walked out the door and I thought, well, a lot of companies try to hire me here in Hong Kong, and that's probably what I'm going to be doing. Working for a secular company to make enough money to pay for this. And that night I went to a Chinese feast. Now, you Chinese people here tonight know what a Chinese feast is. There's so much food, the British Army couldn't eat all the food you have. And the food that is served at a feast is food that's generally unregistered. You don't know what part of the animal you're eating, because they want to do better than the last guy. So we're eating some parts of this, and missionaries hate to go to Chinese feasts. We love Chinese food. But Chinese Feast, you know, the the goal is to get it from your plate onto the floor without anybody noticing. (laughs) So we're at a Chinese Feast. And I'm sitting there, and next to me is a guy named Dr. Philip Tang. He is the Billy Graham of Asia. He's the most wonderful man you ever met in your life. He has the largest church in Hong Kong. It's called the North Point CNMA Church. He's sitting on my right. So I said to him, Dr. Tung, it's so nice to be here with you this evening. Has your church ever thought about starting a church, planting a church somewhere? He said, yeah, we have. We formed a committee. Oh, not another committee. We formed a committee, and they looked all over the town to find a place. They found a perfect place. They went in to see the manager, and the secretary wouldn't let them see the manager. The secretary said the manager has had over 40 people try to get a kindergarten here. And we think the manager is keeping that kindergarten for his mother-in-law or somebody. He, he will not rent that kindergarten. So don't even waste your time. So now our committee is looking elsewhere. I said, Dr. Tung, if I could tell you where that was, would you believe me? He said, yes. I said it was Mei Fu Sun He almost fell over. He couldn't believe it. He says, you got Meifu? I said, yeah, I signed for it this morning. He said, well, our church wants it. I said, well, there's a little something you ought to know. It's going to cost. And before I could tell him, he said, stop. One of our elders has moved into Meifu Sunchun, And he said, if we plant a church in Meifu Sunchun, he'll pay for everything for three years. the sun hadn't set yet, and we've already got it paid for. And while I'm talking to him, there's a guy on my left called Richard Hall. Richard Hall is well-known in Hong Kong. He's in charge of the Alliance Press and much printing and so on and so forth. He's poking me with his elbow. His wife is very well-known. She starts kindergartens all over Hong Kong for profit. She's on television. She's in the newspaper. Her name is Mrs. Hall. We call her Sergeant Major Hall. She runs a school like a school should be run. And she makes lots of money doing it. So I turned to him and said, what? He said, are you talking about a kindergarten? I said, yes. He said, you got to help me. I said, oh, how? He said, you really have to help me. I said, how? He said, my wife just retired. She's driving me crazy. Can you let her run that kindergarten? Please. I said, of course we can, but we can't afford her. Oh, no, no, no. Nothing to do with money. It has to do with her having something to do. Can she run the kindergarten? I said, of course she can. In the morning, we understood how big is our God. And before we went to bed that night, God had already found the church to do it, the money to do it, and the principle to run it. Now, does this church ever get excited? A layman said to me, how big is your God? You layman, you hear me? Do you hear me? All right, that's better. Now we're on a roll. I thought we're going now. A guy came through town and was a Christian Missionary Alliance layman. His name's Walter Maloon. Chinese had a hard time with that name. They called him watermelon. <laughs> watermelon came to Hong Kong. He came with Billy Graham. And I took watermelon with me to go to a place called Wong Chuk Hang over on Hong Kong Island to see if we could plant a church there our God's enormous now, we've seen him work we're going so we drove over there walked right into the manager's office and said, we'd like to plant a church in Mei San in uh, Wong Chuk Hang he said you're welcome, I'm a believer pick any property you want I said, well, how much will it cost? Free of charge. The government will pay for it. We like to have a church here. Go ahead. Just go out and pick it. Come back tell me. Boy, I thought, man, what have we been waiting for? God is moving. God is moving. So we got our second church going in, in a matter of weeks. Whoa. So then I said, okay. And I called call my, my other missionaries. By then I was the chairman. <laughs> And I called the other missionaries, I called two guys, and we got in my Volkswagen, and we said, Okay, Lord, we're driving this car, lead us to a place to plant a church. And all of a sudden, the engine goes off in this Volkswagen. Stops. Pull over, open the hood, no engine. Engine's in the back. So... While these two other missionaries look at the engine, knowing nothing about engines. I'm looking over here, and I see a brand new, enormous sized housing estate. So I said, God stop the car. Let's go up here and get another church. Simple. We walk up the hill, we go into the manager's office, and you've got to learn two things about Chinese. I'm going to teach them to you right now. Two signals. That means come. (laughs) That means go. You got it? Come. Go. As the three of us are walking into this man's office, he does this. I said, we haven't even talked yet. You don't have to. You're a missionary. I hate missionaries. Well, you don't hate me. You've never met me. So how about David King? Threw us out of his office. I'd never been thrown out of an office in my life. We went back to the car. We found out my knee had hit the key and turned the car off. So we got in the car. (laughs) We drove away. I went home. I said to my wife, something's wrong with how big is your God? We were on a roll there for a while. Now we're stopped. My wife, you've got to have a good wife if you're a missionary, said to me, we haven't been praying. Ooh. so first the, the businessman tells me how big is my God. Now my wife's telling me we're not praying. So we called prayer meetings. We started praying. said, God, you gave us two churches. We want a bunch of them. Help us. And an idea came into my head. Go see the government lady in charge of all the housing areas, over 2 million people. So, I made an appointment with the director of the housing, of resettlement, of refugees. His name was Mr. McGregor, a Scotsman. Now, we all know that the Scots would rule the world if it wasn't for whiskey. I walk into his office and the Chinese secretary, the man says to me, you don't want to see Mr. McGregor. I said, why not? (laughs) He's been drinking too much. He's being replaced. He's going back to Scotland. There's a new lady across the hall. I said, what's her name? Mrs. Lamb. All right, I'll go see Mrs. Lamb. I have an appointment. I go over there. I said, I'd like to see Mrs. Lamb. Can't see her. She's busy today. I said, well, that's all right. I'll just walk up and back and forth in front of your desk. And if she changes her mind or has two minutes, I'd like to see her just two minutes. You know, if you do that long enough, (laughs) they start going crazy. (laughs) So finally she gets up. You see her. She walks into the office. And here's what I hear. Johnny Bechtel's in my office. I had not been called Johnny Bechtel since I was a little boy. Bring him in here right now. So I go in. Here's Mrs. Lamb. She comes and does something Chinese people never do. She reaches out and takes my hand. How are you, Johnny? I said, I'm fine. How are you? Fine. How's your mom? Fine. How's your mom? She died last year. Ooh. How's your dad? My dad's fine. No, I better not ask that question. We went back and forth. Have you ever been in a situation where you'd give one of your arms to know who it is you're talking to? I'm saying, Lord, all I need to know is how I know this lady. Please, the future of the church in Hong Kong depends on you telling me right now. Please. I'm not getting any messages. She says, you don't remember me, do you? I said, I remember you clearly, but I can't remember you right now. It'll come to me. She said, my name is Bertha. I live next door to you. I took care of you when you were a little boy. Your mother led me to Jesus. I'm so happy to see you. She said, after your mother led me to Jesus, I went the wrong way. I married the wrong man. My children went the wrong way. I was ready to take my own life. I went to that little Chinese Christian Missionary Alliance church in Shakywan up on the hill. I got down on my knees and I said, God, I have failed you. I have failed everybody. I'm useless. I'm no good. Please forgive me. And God forgave me. God gave me new life and new vigor. And no sooner had that happened than I got appointed to be in charge of all the housing for resettlement in Hong Kong. When I came into this office, I got behind that desk and got down on my knees at that chair, and I said, God, use me. I have failed you in my whole life. Use me now, a layperson. And she said, no sooner had I sat down on this desk, three months later, who walks into my office but Johnny Bechtel. What can I do for you? And I'm thinking, how big is my God? We started planting churches. I'm telling you, we planted them all over the place. In Hong Kong, where it's impossible to plant a church. After we'd planted dozens of them, I finally got up the nerve to ask her where the man who had given me the get out of the office was. Because soon after I told her about him, she'd sent me back there, and the new manager of that estate was very nice to me. But I wondered what happened to the old manager. She told me he's in a place called Guntong. And last night in the service, a young man came up to me and said his family lives in Guntong, and he knew where this church was. I drove to Guntong, and there was Mr. Get Out of My Office, standing right in front of me. He's doing this this time. Come in. What kind of tea do you want? That's always a good start. We drank tea. He said, I want to apologize to you. He said, I don't know what you said to Mrs. Lamb, but she gave me a promotion. I'm now in charge of two of the biggest estates in the Guntong area. I'm so happy I got to see you again. I would like to take you around and you can pick any two pieces of property you want for a church. I said, well, before we agree to that, will you agree to come to the first opening of the church? He said, yes, I will. When we had our opening, we had about 300 people there and I was the speaker. I had every usher, every elder, every member of the church looking for this guy. Because they're going to bring him in. You're going to bring him down the aisle? He's going to sit right there in the front seat. Front and center. Pretty soon, here he comes. Suit and tie. Walks in. Sits right here. The 300 people that were there that day thought I was going to speak to them. I didn't speak to them. I spoke to him. And I told him that Jesus could change his life. And that he needed to come to meet Jesus face to face. And that man, that day, asked Jesus to come into his life. And then I said to him, Sir, now that you know Jesus, you understand why we want to plant these churches. And he said, I do. He said, all my friends are in resettlement areas. And Mrs. Lamb can give you property, but so can I. And we started planting more churches all over Hong Kong. Until we got to the point where we realized how big God is. God's enormous and can do anything. Even in Hong Kong, where a square foot on the 14th floor costs $9,998. Our God can plant churches in Hong Kong. And He wants to use you. Because you're a layperson, and everybody I've talked about so far has been a layperson. So two years ago, I got a call on the telephone, and they said, John, will you come out and speak at the anniversary of the starting of the first church that your dad planted in a garage before the Japanese came to Hong Kong and put him in a prison camp. By the way, he lost 90 pounds. By God's grace, I've been able to gain every last one of them (laughs) back. So we're going to have an anniversary. So we hired the largest football stadium in Hong Kong. There it is. You see that? The police told me there were 36,000 people in the stadium. And we had to turn people away because there was no more room in the stadium. I said, let them come in and stand on the grass. They said, we can't do that. That grass is very special, blah, blah, blah. So I said, it can't be that special, but it it turned out it was special. They couldn't come in. We had 36,000 people getting together, rejoicing, because we understood one thing. How big is your God? I stood up to speak. They'd never heard a foreign devil speak in Cantonese like I do, because I was born there. I had a Chinese lady take care of me when I was a child, and if I wanted anything, she couldn't speak English, I had to say it in Chinese. So I learned how to speak Chinese. And I stood up, and I spoke, and I said, you people, I want you to understand something. The only reason we are all here today in this stadium, and before we take communion together, I want you to know... That our God is enormous. And he wants to use every one of all 36,000 of you. He wants to use every one of you in his kingdom work. And he wants you to understand how big he is, because we wouldn't be here today if we didn't understand how big our God is. And I told them, we're counting on you. I said, Sun Sunchun was the first one we planted, and they've already planted two other churches. They've sent out four missionaries. They have students in the seminary getting ready to pastor other churches that they want to start. And I could go on and on and tell you how all the churches are multiplying. They're going crazy. I don't know how many churches they have by now, but by the day we had that, they had 134 churches in Hong Kong, for Pete's sake. That's our God. Our God is able to do anything if we but realize what He can do and ask Him to do it through us. Let me just read you the scripture that I read those people that day. 1 Corinthians 29:10 to 13 Are you listening? Are you listening? All right. It's Canadians are a little slow sometimes, you know. we got to <laughs> light a little fire. David, praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our Father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. Is your God the one you put in a little bottle and get him out on Sunday morning and come here and act pious and go home and be the same old, same old? Are you a lay person who wants to be used by God? How big is your God? Is your God the God who can change water into wine just like that? Make a blind man see? Is that your God? I'm going to ask you to do something this morning, if it's all right with you. I want you to bow your heads, and I want you to think about your God. I want you to think about what you think of your God. I want you to think about how your God can use you. And I believe there are a lot of people here this morning who haven't given God his due. You don't understand what he can do and the power he has that we just read out of his word. And I'd like us this morning to have people who say, "I need to realize what God can do." And I want him to use me as a layperson to do it if there's anyone here that can say that today i'd like you to come down here to the front i'm going to pray for you and then we're going to dismiss the meeting so everybody rise and anyone who wants to be prayed for to understand how god can use you as a lay person And you realize how big your God is. And you want Him today to let you understand that. And you want to be used of Him. Come on down here. And I'm going to pray for you. Don't wait all day. We're just going to do this quickly. Looks like I didn't need to ask you to come down the whole churches here. <laughs> so let's bow in prayer. Lord, our God, these people have come down here today because they know that you are a powerful, amazing, can do anything God. Lord, this church has a great heritage. I love going around the world with Ravi who has more relatives here than I knew he ever had. <laughs> Preaching the gospel. This church is a, a lighthouse, Lord. And these people who have come down here this morning want to be used of you and want you to know you understand, you, they understand you can do anything. I pray, Lord, that you'd help them to never forget what they heard today, that our God is able. How big is your God? Put it on their brain and never let them forget it. And and make this place be heard around the world, I pray. Make this place be a lighthouse in Toronto and across Canada of people who understand they worship a God who is able to do anything if we but trust Him. I thank You, Lord. I pray individually for every single person that is down here and those who aren't down here, I pray for them too. That they'd understand that you are the God who created this earth and created us to be used as your servants. And we will thank you for a day in which we drove a stake in the ground that said, I believe my God can do anything and I am going to trust him to use me as a lay person to do anything. Does everybody agree to that? Yeah. All right. Lord, we pray this in your name and I pray I'm going to come here every 76 years and I pray that next time I come, this place will have five churches planted in Toronto. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Go back and sit down. Now, my blessing for you, uh, we've heard. John's perspective of how, God, how big his God is. And our, my blessing to you is that God will give us grace to remove the boxes that we have built around our God so that we can see how big our God can be and that there will be an insatiable appetite that will up, well up in our hearts so that we will taste and see how good God is and experience how big our god is go in jesus name